0: When a cardiologist recommends a specific treatment for a patient, we assume the heart doctors following researched guidelines. But surprisingly, a top physician says that may not be the case. With more, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. A new study shows less than ten percent of heart care guidelines are based on, shall we say, the gold standard of research. What does it mean? Joining us now is the study's lead author, Dr. Alexander Fanaroff of the Duke University Medical Center. Doctor, before we dive into the details, your team is saying more than 90% of the heart care guidelines are based on lower quality research. Do you have an opinion one way or another as to whether these are worthwhile guidelines?
1: I would say the guidelines are worthwhile. They give really the best sense of the consensus of the community in cardiology as to how we should take care of our patients. And, you know, we have to take care of our patients. We have to take care of them as best we can. So I do think the guidelines are worthwhile. The question is whether we can make better guidelines by generating better evidence.
0: The presumption is, of course, when doctors stick to the guidelines, the patient is likely to improve, right?
1: Yes, and there is some evidence showing that when physicians stick to guidelines, their patients do better than physicians who don't stick to the guidelines.
0: And we should point out that while guidelines are extremely important, they're not hard and fast rules, are they, Dr. Fanneroff? And so if more heart doctors were aware of your study results, would it be appropriate for them to rely less on the guidelines?
1: It's always best to rely on the guidelines, but I think that what our study shows is that in some areas the guidelines are imperfect. One of the things that is important to note is that in some cases there is excellent evidence the recommendations that the guidelines make. And I think this is particularly the case for most of our drugs and many of our devices. In those cases, the evidence is on solid footing. And these are things like controlling blood pressure and controlling cholesterol. The evidence for doing those things and using those medicines is very good. So where the evidence is solid, physicians should certainly rely on the guidelines. Where the evidence is a little bit less solid, using clinical judgment may come into play.
0: Now, let's dive into those details. Committees that write the guidelines put them into categories A, B, and C based on the level of research supporting them. Can you describe for us each level by category?
1: Level of evidence A represents the gold standard. This is evidence from multiple randomized controlled trials or a single, large, well-done, randomized controlled trial. Level of evidence B are when you have either one small trial or, more often, observational studies. Level of evidence C is strictly expert opinion. So you consult the eminences in the field who are often the ones writing the guidelines and they remember the patients they treat. They use a knowledge of pathology and physiology and really important things, but no systematic evidence. And
0: so 91% of the guidelines fell into categories B and C. Yes. Is this of any
1: alarm? I would say that it's cause for alarm. It should be a call to action to really generate more randomized controlled trials so that we can have higher quality evidence. The thing about recommendations that are level of evidence B or C is that in the next iteration of the guidelines, we may know more. We may have done better research and we may find out that we have not been treating patients correctly. And there's some evidence to bear out the fact that recommendations that are level of evidence A don't tend to be overturned when guidelines are updated and recommendations that are level of evidence B or C are sometimes overturned or more often overturned than level of evidence A. So I would stop short of saying it's cause for alarm, but I would say it should be a call to action to really generate more high quality evidence.
0: In this era of electronic patient charts and such, why don't we have more and better data to support guidelines?
1: Traditionally, clinical trials have kind of existed outside of patient care. The challenge really though is that electronic health record data does not talk to each other really as well as one might think. Collecting data from Duke doesn't mean that you can collect the same data from University of North Carolina or any other institution because the data really is separate. So one thing that I think would facilitate doing more randomized controlled trials is is really having the electronic health records be able to talk to each other and generate really usable data for clinical trials. That is the way the future, and a lot of people are working on that, and hopefully when we do this type of study in 10 years, we'll be able to say that we really have taken a big step forward in the level of evidence-supporting guidelines.
0: Dr. Alexander Fanneroff of Duke University Medical Center, good luck to you and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. And that's it for this edition of InfoTrack. Internet services provided by Pear.com. Special thanks this week to InfoTrack reporters Gina Tedesco and Roy Mackey, and our executive producer, Randy Meyer. I'm Chris Whitting, inviting you to join us next time on another edition of InfoTrack.